Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions, for those of you who do not know me, for the last 12 years has been providing lines of credit to small businesses throughout the United States. And I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast as I've, as I've had been for the past 450 episodes. <laughs> if you are interested in learning more about a business line of credit, I mean, I've almost always had a business line of credit throughout my career. Um, you please visit our website at fscreditline.com. Uh, it's uh, again, FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Uh, it is, to me, it's a must-have. I've always had them, and now it's gotten so much easier through our company to have one. So just a little bit about me. Over the last 25-plus uh, years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies that made the Inc. 500 fastest-growing companies in the United States. Uh, yes, I do know a little bit about entrepreneurship, but I also love learning from people with business experience. And today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Ryan Urban from Alpha Management Incorporated. Um, but first, our sponsor for today's podcast is uh, an organization called Technology Management Group, or TMJ, uh, or TMG, excuse me. <clears throat> they are a company that specializes in uh, cybersecurity. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't think about cybersecurity until it really kind of hits you. And then you're like, oh, my God, this is this either could have been really bad or this was really bad. And so Technology Management Group has been in cybersecurity for actually 30 years. And um, so if you have a, a question, if there's something that you're worried about, if you want to go over um, a cybersecurity plan, uh, if there's certain software you want to, you think that you should be getting, you know, I think they might be a great organization for you. And you can visit their website at cyberctrl.net. Again, that's cyberctrl.net. Uh, today, I'd like to, again, welcome uh, Ryan Urban. Uh, Ryan is the author of the book, The Business Owner's Guide to Money, and hosts his own podcast by the same name. He sold his financial advisory in 2022 and now helps business owners and individuals on a simply hour fee basis. Ryan, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Hi, Stephen. Thank you. Great to be here. So, you know, I, uh, today's topic is going to be making your business more valuable to sell in the future and how that can help you today. And I really believe, I've always believed that. Mm -hmm. um, I've always believed that by looking at uh, what somebody would want in your business if you were to sell, I believe it, it has greatly helps you make a good business um, for now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and while you were building your business, did you think that way? Not at first, boy, that's a great question. Not at first. And, and, and this kind of dawned on me over time. Uh, in fact, chapter six of the book, uh, kind of covers this. And, and then sure enough, last year I ran into a situation where it, it mattered to me personally. So it, it, uh, it hit me all at once. Yeah, you know, I um, I got that instantly when I was building my companies at a young age. Um, and I, I, I'm going to tell you, listen, 
I was lucky enough to, to know and, and come across hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of small businesses. Um, some of them grew to a billion dollars. One uh, person I know well built their business a billion dollars. Uh, uh, Kendall Scott's her name. Um, and uh, but you know, of course, most of the businesses I know are, are smaller businesses under ten million. And and I'm amazed that the owners don't get that. Mm-hmm. And the reason, let me tell you why it's valuable. One, one of the things I see with small businesses is that the owner is so in control. They're so, they have to do everything. Uh, they can't let anything go. They think everything has to be done perfectly and they're the only ones that can do it. And to me, that's the exact recipe for a small business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and when you are looking to, uh, what somebody on the outside would want in your business. Ryan, I, I, uh, I, I think you would agree. It's that the business will run without you. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Now, when, when, you, when you sold your business in 2022, did your business run well without you? It did. Uh, and what happened was I, uh, I just got a call out of the, the blue one day. And it, this was in July of, of 2022. And it was a, a, a group in, in my city. I was located in Colorado Springs at the time. And he asked me, he, he wanted to know if we could merge. He wanted to ask me about becoming partners. And I said, you know, I'm probably closer to retirement. And he said, no, that could work too. And one thing led to another. This is July. And on October 31st, on Halloween, we signed the documents and, and I sold the company. Uh, so a part of the reason, though, I was able to was because I had done the homework ahead of time. And there are a lot of things that are essentially mechanical in nature when you run your business that you have to watch. And, and that's what this chapter six is about, these, these different things on my list, because you never know. But you know, you, you said something so important. Uh, one thing that always surprised me was when talking with a business owner, I'll bet this has happened to you too. I'll ask them, well, what is your exit plan? And I'll get the look. And the look is, uh, I don't know. I didn't, e- I, I didn't even think about that. I would sell this company one day. <laughs> well, I said, yeah, you're building, you're building equity in your business, just like you're building equity. In I, I don't get what people are thinking. I, I'm sorry. I'm just shocked. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I know exactly. I have, so I have three businesses right now, right? Uh, one business is, is not really sellable. I'm going to run it into the ground. I'll probably run it till I'm 90. I can do it part time and it makes great money, right? The second business is sellable and it's going to be very sellable and I'm going to sell it at some point. Okay. Third business is a commercial building. So it's sellable. Mm-hmm. All right. I know my exact, uh, my exact exit strategy. So why it's so, is this so hard for people? I don't think, you know, we get so caught up in just the everyday running of the business. And, and, and the first thing we get caught up, first of all, you might be a chiropractor or a florist or a plumber and you do what you do well, but you also have to take on the delightful responsibilities of being a business owner. That's an entirely different skill set. And so when you're combining those two things, it's difficult to see the forest for the trees. And so when you tap them on the shoulder and say, you know, what would your multiple be if you sold this? What, what kind of money would you make after taxes? You know, and what's that plan? How are you going to save on taxes? 
it doesn't even occur to him. And, and it's yeah. almost as if it's a gift. You know, it's, I, I didn't even think I could sell this thing. Sure you can. Well, not everybody can. And you mentioned you have one that you're probably not going to be able to sell. But I'll tell you, a lot of people who can, they don't think of it. And that's why, that's why we're here. Yeah, I, you know, listen, I, I made it seem, I, I, I don't mean to put down um, other business owners. I, I um, because, so the, I've had some situations in my life recently where, you know, now I, I get it a little bit more. And what's obvious sometimes is people or are, are most importantly look at it and they say that this is not about building a business to sell, but a lot of times business owners are so wrapped up in their business. That's all they know. Yep. Right. And the transition outside of, you know, when you sell your business and then you don't know what you're going to do next, it is scary for everybody that's out there. Yeah. Right. And, and so that, that, so then that forces someone to say is, well, listen, I don't need to build it for somebody else because I'm going to stay here until, you know, I decide I don't want to do it anymore. And, and I think the purpose of this podcast of today's podcast is to talk about the value in not, okay, let's say you say, I'm not, I'm going to stay in my business till I'm 90 years old, but there's still value in looking at building your business, in my opinion, that says I'm going to sell it within the next three years. That's right. There's the right? just in case factor because you don't know what's going to happen. It, the, nope. What happened to me may happen to you. You get a phone call or maybe God forbid something happens in your life where you, you know, it's, it's best that you try to sell this company. So what you can do then, Stephen, is, is essentially uh, reverse engineer and say, okay, if I were to make my company more, more valuable to sell some day, what would I do? What would I do today? Because if you do that, doing those things are going to make you better today. Yep. All right. Example would be uh, competitive advantage. What, what are your competitive advantages? How, how do you stick out from your competition? So is it, is it your services? Is it your prices? Is it uh, uh, quality? And if you can't tell me that, if you don't know that inherently, then it's time you did. Yeah. It's time that you at least focus on or that you became or that you have you figured out what your competitive advantage is because it'll yes. make you a better company too. Because exactly. maybe maybe you don't have a competitive advantage and you're doing okay because it's an up market, you know, in your industry. And um and you, you know, if 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 it's not really a real competitive advantage, wait for a downturn and you'll see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Competitive advantage is, is certainly going to be, and, and that's something that you really want to have in your business plan to begin with. And I'm a big proponent of writing your own business plan. But yeah, that's that's number one. Another one is something you've already brought up, and it's called owner is the MVP. Yeah, <laughs> that is when, uh, yeah, forgive the sports metaphors; they're going to come uh, hard and heavy here. But the if if you're only known for your business and and when someone thinks in your business it's just you maybe it's time to spread that out a little bit first of all if a if a buyer comes along and you're the mvp and you leave they're in trouble you know what's going to say that these the clients are going to stay with you but also to build a nice foundation of employees under you so that you are not having to do everything. You can start on that today. You can start delegating. So you're, you're making your business more valuable, easier to sell in the future, but also 
more diversified and more a, a better foundation today. Yeah, and let me let me throw a couple of other reasons why I think it's important for you to look at it from an outside perspective of someone buying your company and what what they would do. Um, I had one company where um, it was it was my second company. It did very very well financially, but um, there's this old rule, especially when you have a smaller business, that you know this eighty twenty principle applies to so many different things. Yeah. And 80% of my sales came from uh, one person mm -hmm. and, you know, and they had me by my throat, you yeah. know, and the guy was crazy. Like most sales, good salespeople are yeah. right. <laughs> when I started my third company, I, I was like, I will never be in that position again. So I, what I did was, and it's so hard to find really talented salespeople, yeah. let alone crazy ones. <laughs> and then you got to pay them a lot of money, but um, and I, and things have changed a lot I, I, in the industry where salespeople aren't as critical, but, um, but when I started my third company, I was like, I can't find people like that anymore. They cost too much. I need to have incredible processes and procedures. And this is the fourth thing that, that to this day is one of the keys to my skill set. It is, I need to be able to have, generate leads through marketing for my company so that I don't need to have these great salespeople. I can have mediocre salespeople that are well-trained, have great processes that I have trained with great processes and the leads come in and they're just following up on the leads. Follow the system, right? right. Yep, you follow the system, right? So building great systems. Okay. I, I, another thing, you know, and not to belabor it um, and to not be the one who's talking too much here, but um, I'm 58 years old right now. Right. Um, I've had a, I've had a really good life. I, I really, you know, I've, I've certainly fought through challenges. Okay. But a year and a half ago, my wife passed away unexpectedly and it, it woke me up into the idea that, um, people go through tor turmoil in their lives. And I was a little bit naive to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like she wasn't part of the business. That's a, a, you know, it's a personal, more personal issue. But as the owner, what happens if you come incapacitated and for some reason, okay, will the business run on its own? If it doesn't run on its own, what, what about your family? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what about the controls to make sure no one steals for you? And I actually hear a lot of issues with smaller businesses with partners taking money, stealing money or redirecting funds and stuff like that are, do you, are you under control of those things? Mm -hmm. So, you know, having a, a well executed business, you know, it's not, people don't think that, that that's sexy, but to me, a well executed, well oiled machine that runs really well to me, that's sexy. Yeah. Um, what, 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 what would you add to what I just said? You know, one thing you want to try to be able to have, and um, you, you, keep, you keep saying something that is, is just next on my mind. Uh, so great minds think alike. But, you know, if you can find a good person, and good people are hard to find, well, we call that a key person, right? So what is it about that key person that might be able to make your, your company better? Can you coach them up a little bit? 
And then if they're good enough, how can you, it's called a, a golden handcuffs. How can you financially tie them to the company so that they will stick around for a long time? Not only stick around for a long time, but maybe even purchase your business down the road. If you get somebody like that, or if you can coach them up, there are ways to, to financially incentivize them that actually provide tax advantages for the business. But if this person then can, can reach into an account and draw $100,000 know, tax-free out of an account as a down payment on your business, maybe it's made it easier for you to sell your business. Yes. It's so hard to find a person like that. But, but I'm glad you brought this thing up about about some people just aren't good enough. And it just, this is life, you know, it's just the way it works. If we can coach them up, that might make them a little more loyal to us as well. And, and if we can say, okay, you may own this business or you may own a part of this business. Now we've got them going, but they have to be good enough. Yeah. And I think, I think there's just, it's been going on for decades now where people are always saying, oh, there's not enough good people out there. There's not enough good people out there. To, I, I, to me, look in the mirror, mm -hmm. okay? And that is, are you giving everybody the tools that they need to be successful? And, and are you able to take a, so there's, let's put people in three categories. You have your A players, your B category, B players, and your C category. And this is not something that I came up with. This is something by a guy, by a guy named Vern Harnish. And, and he wrote, he's, a very good business uh, uh, consultant. Uh, and what he said is small businesses are not going to get hardly any A players. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what you're going to want is B players that you can coach up to become A players. And the C players, you kind of want to, like, if they're not in, if they're in a, an important role, you want to get rid of the C players, yeah. right? Yeah. But, you know, your turnover for your company should be 5%, 7%, right? It shouldn't be much. And if you have a higher turnover than that, and believe, believe me, in my second company, I had a lot of turnover. And it was because of me. It wasn't because of everybody else that's out there, you know? Um, I, I, and what I'm trying to illustrate is the onus is on the owner to make it so that your people can be successful. So you could take a C player, move it to a B level and take a B player and move it to an A level. Yeah. If you can do that, you've built good processes and procedures. And I think that's what we're talking about. That's really critical here. Okay. So we've just hit on two things. First of all, yeah, you know, we talked about uh, uh, processes before, all right, systems. Well, a, a business owner should have a system for interviewing people, Yes. And have a system for bringing them on, a system for training them, and a system for training them up. Now, I'm sorry, that's a lot, but are, are we serious or are we not? And secondly, going back to the original point here, if someone were to come along and were interested in your business, you could be sure they're going to look at your employees. They're going to look at your turnover. They're going to look at captured key employees, You know, the most loyal key employees. They're going to look at the whole thing assuming they, they're going to keep them. And so again, we're, we're looking at a situation where this kind of thing is going to help you today. And if you have to, you know, if it, and uh, this is not a, an advertisement because I don't do this. Okay. But if you have to find help to, to make these systems, I tell you it's worth it 
because you you can't just spitball this. The 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 the, uh, um, the chances of, of messing this up are too high. Yeah. And and when you get a good employee, you have to have a way to keep them. Then, if you have multiple employees, for example, Stephen, what you would do is you then want to have a clear management path. So so you want to give a person some kind of a motivation incentive to 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 continue to do well and move up the chain. And then that's going to require a system because if you have, let's say, eight employees, well, they're all going to want to know, how do I move up? And if you treat them all differently, you're going to have a problem. All right. So you have a system in place for, okay, this is how you advance in this company. This is the kind of things we're looking for. That way it's defensible because if someone, and boy, I won't even bring up legalities, but if someone were unhappy about something about not being moved up, well, you can say, well, here is the system. Yeah. It was in writing. We, we showed you this. I agree. I, I, I also think like I've seen when businesses are relatively new, or like, you know, three years, five years and younger, you know, they'll hear us, you and me who are experienced saying, have good people tied to the mission in some regards, uh, financially or in some promotional way. And so they run out and they do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I did that, right? And what I would say to you is it's really study the subject matter for a year before you do it. Because like, I'll give you some mistakes that I made. Um, One of the things I learned was, uh, okay, so one of the companies I had was doing really well. And it went from 1 million to 3 million, 3 million to 5 million, 5 million to 7 million, 7 million to 11 million. This is other, over every year, right? Um, and and I, re- I had a great management team. That was really, it was my third company. I had a really, that was my mission to really have good people working for me, to do everything I just told you guys, train them well, have good systems in place. And I really liked my management team. There was three people on my management team. And I, I said, okay, I'm looking at listening to all these gurus and I put together a profit sharing plan for them. Right. So, and so now I said, okay, I started, I, I start showing them how much money we're making and the revenue. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I start doing that and you know, I had a compensation plan in place for them based on, uh, you know, that, and then we, uh, the industry, uh, it was 2008, the industry went into a major housing crisis and the industry that I thought I was in, which I thought was recession proof, which was healthcare. Um, I, 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 it, it tumbled. It, the industry went down by 50%. And so then my employees saw how much money we were losing and it exasperated uh, like lots of turmoil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, listen, uh, looking back at that, I would have had a different control in place because I, we were doing so well that when you saw the upside, you're like, oh, well, they're, they're going to love this. Yeah. But I didn't think about the downside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of what happens when we start losing money and what I, what I would have done differently now is, is not show them, I, I find some way of not having shown, you know, maybe using some type of phantom shares or something a little more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and so you can run into problems. So you know what I'm trying to say, Ryan, and uh, you know maybe uh, you can chime in is don't just run out and you know do what we are saying. You really have to talk to people about it, uh, read up about it, you know, make you know those type of things. Did you have any similar experiences? Well, you have to have a template in place um, for for the ups and downs, and I've seen. Uh, with clients. The interesting thing about something like profit sharing, Stephen, is that it, it does give ownership or it gives a feeling of ownership to the to the employees. On the downside, and, and, and you spoke to it so well, is that is that if things go south, and they're always going to go south at some point, it just depends on how much yep. it's going to be, right? Well, then you're, you're going to get finger pointing. You're going to get, well, you know, they're going to get unhappy because uh, they feel that the company is something is happening out of their control. Well, they need to understand that that's just kind of part of the game too, because a company is is a cooperation. You know, it's a collaboration of efforts. Uh, so yeah, choosing choosing a way to do that, and I, it's interesting. You what you wanted to do there was not so much not do the profit sharing, but structure it differently. So there there are a finite numbers a number of ways that you can do something financial like you were doing and then you can tweak them as you go and you kind of learn the hard way unfortunately we a business owner only learns the hard way yeah <laughs> there's, that's just the yeah. rule i think you know uh, i mean you learn you learn everything from your mistakes not sure. not from your you know the positives you know i wanted to ask you this question because i've been seeing this a lot lately you know you know the demise of you came you were in the financial advising industry mm -hmm. and you know over the last couple of years everyone's talking about how the financial advisors are going to be in trouble because of various technologies mm -hmm. and i've actually found the opposite where a lot of that now uh, like a friend of mine now is acquiring a lot of uh, financial advising what were they buying when they bought your company oh what a great question um when these things first came out as you might imagine, yeah, we were a little nervous. But it really began to self-separate because there are some people for whom one of those, uh, that type of thing is fine because they don't have any other questions regarding their finances. Because my clientele would call me and ask me questions about taxation. They would call and ask about buying real estate or, or I mean... Uh, you would name it. I mean, they, anything personal financial, I, I was like their bartender and that's okay because that's who I was. And the more value that I offered them was that I was an, I was an experienced ear because a lot of investors do, you know, they have a lot of questions about markets, economies, the news, how the news is going to affect that. So I would have long conversations with them like you and I are talking right now, just about markets. So whether it's taxation, you know, there's there's planning for the family. There's all kinds of things where you have one trusted source with whom you have a good relationship. Plus, then they have the the investing expertise. Now, that sounds like a commercial for an advisor, but again, for some people, let's say you're 25 years old, your your life is very simple. You're not married, and you want to put some money away. Yeah, if you tell me that you went on to robo, you know, robo advisor, I can see that because what they do is, you know, they'll do a lot of the, the prepping for you where they look at things like asset allocation and risk tolerance and all this. 
And if you're comfortable doing that, fine. But if, if you have questions about finance, family finance, uh, you well, first of all, you want to have an advisor who is open to answering your questions. In my case, I'm never at a loss for an opinion. If you ask me a question, you're going to get an answer. But, mm. but that's what you're getting. So you're not just getting the investment performance. There was a study. I believe the number is 3.4%. Um, I, I saw a study that said if you have a financial advisor, you're, you're going to do better overall by about 3.4%. Another number is from a company called Dalbar. And it looks at consumer behavior. And it says over the last 20 years, the average active investor, so this is the person who you know, knows more than you do about markets and they tell you about their big gains, but they hide the dogs. You know, The average active investor has only had a 4.3% return over the last 20 years. So you're not necessarily going to do better on your own. So for a lot of people, this is really just a matter of comfort. You know, just to have a voice uh, there for you when you have a question. And well, uh, my question was more about the company that was buying that bought you. They 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 wanted. I I guess I'm assuming they wanted your the people that were working there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they um they they wanted the the, the revenue stream. Um, you know, but. I guess somebody could easily have, you know, your employees, they could have easily have left, gone somewhere else and take their people with them. I mean, was there a, a non-compete clause that was in, in place where if somebody left, they couldn't take their clients with them? Yes. Yeah. So, so when, when they came in to buy, uh, you know, the contract was fairly detailed. And so, yeah, there is, there's no non-compete clause for any of my ex-employees or there is a non non-compete clause in place for already with that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's for, but however, it's for a specific time period. All right. So yeah, in that way, there were some controls and a buyer has to have some controls and a buyer came in and looked, I mean, the buyer looked at everything we've talked about, you know, and they have to, this is a lot of money they're spending. Yeah, it's so hard for you to get people. I mean, unless you're hiring very, very young people, I would think that the, the people who are working for you, I mean, they're the ones who are really kind of getting the clients right? Mm-hmm. They're getting the clients, they're keeping the clients, they're keeping them happy. And if they want to make a change, because they're non-compete, they can't, you know, they can't take their clients with them. They have to start from scratch all over again. Yeah. Did you find that it was really hard to get people to come on board if who are experienced? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, I was of the, the coach them up, uh, okay. you know, and, and what you have to do there, though, is, you know, particularly in that industry, you're not making a lot of money right away. And so if someone, if I got the feeling, you know, one of the things I looked at and I, you can't ask a lot of questions, you know, in, in today's world, but if, if they were scraping by already, uh, it's not going to be a good fit because in that industry, you need to be able to go at least two or three years living pretty skinny before things start kicking in. Yeah. And so it, it's more than just, do you have the talent? It's, you know, are you financially solvent and able to do this? Just like with it, when you're starting your own business, you have to have the money to start the business. Well, where's that money coming from? Well, you, yeah. <laughs> for example. Yeah. But yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, oh. I have a friend like that. He was a CFO for L'Oreal or like, like, like something like that, a very high position. He's older now. He's retired. Uh, he's 65. Um, and he wants to, he's thinking about going back 
into financial advising because he wants to do something. And um, so I mean, he's take care of himself financially fine. So I guess those were the type of people sometimes you would get people who want to make a change mm -hmm. and they they've had a you know, they've done okay already. So I can see the success factor in that being pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're set up financially, that's number one. And then two, yeah. if you have the skill set and the temperament for, cause look, you know, um, I, you know, it's funny. I just did a podcast on uh, business owner as salesperson and uh, you know, you, in that business and a lot of businesses, that's what you're doing. You're not, I'm not sitting there, you know, the first couple of years, you're not sitting there analyzing stocks, right? trying to accumulate business. Yeah. So you, it is a sales job at first and it really always is really for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, I don't know if it's still the case, but I think that, you know, for, for many industries, the, the owner is the initial rainmaker. Yes. Right. The one who's going to make things happen, going to get the business. And then, uh, but again, it depends on the industry. You know, technology has allowed, um, you know, you to many people to have a very a much higher revenue and um, per employee, mm -hmm. um, which is different. So let's, let's wrap this up. I want to go circle back to really today's podcast. And, you know, it was about our subject was about making business more valuable to sell in the future and how, how that can help you with profits today. Um, give me a summary of some of the recommendations that you want our listeners to take away from. And the idea that by making your, your business uh, sellable in the future, you're making it valuable today. So give us sure. some of your, your, your ideas. I'll, I'll rapid fire a few of you uh, at you. Uh, competitive advantages we talked about. Owner as the MVP. Uh, how many long-term and captured employees do you have? You know, what does that situation look like? Do you have uh, a clear management path? Do you have a clear chain of command? When something comes in the front door, what is that chain of command? Is it smooth or is it not? Uh, the size and concentration of your customer base. Do you have too few large clients so that if they left, it would cause yep. you a big problem. So the concentration yep. is very important. That's scary. Huh. Yep. Do you have a clear accounting and budgeting system? Yep. That's going to matter to someone who's purchasing you. Do you have a clear business and marketing plan? Don't tell me it's all up here. It's got to be in writing so that your entire team can look at it. Do you have smooth logistics? That's the the business version of feng shui, you know, how do things flow through your business and where are the bottlenecks? How can you fix those bottlenecks? So things uh, uh, smooth are smooth. Current technology, tech is cheap. Make sure that your technology is up to speed. And then do you have clear financial reports? And, you know, people, people, if I can stop there, you know, they think, look at things like the income statement and all these. And, and a lot of people just take this report and put it in their drawer. And if you are smart, what you really are doing is you're asking questions. You're looking at every line item on those reports and saying, am I optimizing that line item? If not, how can I? Well, right away, that makes you more efficient with time. So you, you really want to look forward to your financial reports to see where you can find bugs and, and places for improvement. Yeah, you, you better be looking at your income statement, your balance sheet every single month. Mm -hmm. And you have your set KPIs and an Excel spreadsheet of things that you really look at and you're really paying attention to. Yeah. You t if you, if I ask any business owner, you know, what about their business, they know how much 
what their revenue was last month, what the revenue was year to date, what their net income is, what their expense ratio is to revenue. They know all these important KPIs off the top of their head. They don't even need to look on the Excel spreadsheet yep. because they've been doing it every single month. And you need to know your numbers. And then you got to make sure you have a clean balance sheet and income statement too. Don't wait to when you're set being, being sell, sellable. I mean, like, you know, um, money owned to owner because you're trying to reduce your tax burden you know, a line item like that is is something that really catches a, a buyer's attention. Um, I, I will add one last thing, Ryan. So until we wrap this up, and I used to see this all the time, I would go away with these nine other business or eight other business owners uh, um, uh, every year, and we would go away for a five day retreat, and in between the breaks of our meetings. Everyone, you know, everybody except for me was calling their offices, calling their offices, calling the offices. What I would say to you is if you need to go away for a, if you can go away for a week or two and not have to call into the office yeah. and not get calls from the office, then, and you come back to the office and things ran smoothly, you are have a sellable business. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of it's habit. Some people are like, Oh, I got nothing else to do. So I'll call the office and see how the office is doing. Okay. I purposely never did that. And what my friends would say, they're like, why don't you call the office? Don't, aren't you concerned? I'm like, no, they know what they're doing. And what was crazy was my, 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 my group that I belonged to would say to me, and listen, I don't, don't believe me. I'm not pumping myself up here. Okay. But what was interesting is my the people in my group would say, you know, Stephen, have you ever noticed that when you go away and you don't work in your business, that the business seems to do better? <laughs> yeah. You know, because I would like maybe not work for like, I'm not saying not work, but I wouldn't pay the attention to the business during the summer months, maybe. Yeah. You know, I, I'd be like golfing a lot or do other things. And I just feel guilty about it. I'd go to my group and I would say, I feel guilty. I'm not really working that much. Mm -hmm. And then they would go, well, what's the revenue this, well, how's your revenue this month? I'm like, well, we're up 23%. Yeah. They're like, keep golfing. Well, yeah, Stephen, look at it also <laughs> from the opposite perspective. Uh, your employees know that if, if you're calling them all the time, what does that tell them? It tells them, I don't, don't trust them. You guys. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you don't, someone is going to say, well, I guess he trusts us. Yeah. So that's, that's paying them a compliment. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I haven't sold a business yet. So out of all the businesses I've had, they have been, you know, quality of life businesses, so to speak. They've been nice cash revenue uh, uh, businesses. Um, I am going to have a sellable business. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that will be there. So, I mean, you know, one thing is building your business so it can be sellable. Mm -hmm. Another one is having a sellable business and everybody can say, well, every business is sellable, but honestly, if you're going to get a low price, it's not really sellable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so it really well, you depends. sell, you want to make as much as you can, obviously, and you want to minimize your taxes the best you can too. So you can yeah. start working on that today. Yeah. And understand multiples, you know, yes. like if you, you know, if, if you're, your industry will have a standard multiple, if you're in this, you know, and like, for example, I was in a 
two staffing businesses and the multiple is only four to six mm -hmm. earnings. It's not very valuable, you know, but you get into another business where it's eight to 11 multiple. That's, that's a pretty good business. That's right. That's you right. That's so it tells you, tells you about your business. So, yep. yeah, cool. Um, are you happy right now, Ryan? Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, I thought I was going to retire when, when I sold that business and I just, when I told my wife I was going to retire, she laughed and, uh, I wasn't ready. So, so now I, I just help people on a, a on-demand hourly basis. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, we, we've moved to a, a very warm and sunny part of the country. Uh, I'm near the water. I get to eat a lot of fish and, uh, it's, this is what you, I, I hope that you get that. I hope that you get that and your, your audience gets that as well. Cause it'll do it right. It'll happen. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to say, too, uh, I had a business coach for 11 years and she said to me the uh, the hardest time for business owners was when their 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 business either was sold or it closed or something like that. They don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. So it, it's it's hard. I, I get it. I'm I'm struggling a, a, a tad with it. I mean, I'm lucky I have the time because I still have to take care of a 14 year old. Yeah. Um, so I'm lucky. I'm very lucky that I can only work, you know, 15, 20 hours a week. And because I have a lot of other things I have to take care of. Yeah, so. Luck has something to do with it, but you've also obviously done things right. And, and that, and I have an incredible business partner. So, right. you know, yeah, either. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just amazing. He's my best friend too. So, ah. um, it, it, turned into that. So, you know, yeah. So, I mean, it is, uh, it's, it's, listen, running a business, uh, let's leave this, this, the let, um, a friend explaining to this, me, it's like watching a squirrel. It goes up, it goes down, it goes sideways. It goes all over the place and you better be ready. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. So you better have your wits and your energy and your, your health with you because it's gonna, it's gonna take it. So, yeah, it's going to be a challenge all the way challenge all the way. Yeah. All right. Well, great conversation. I knew it would be, this is a very interesting topic. Uh, I'd like to thank so very much Ryan Irvin from alpha management, uh, incorporated for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And also if you really like today's podcast or any other ones, please give us a five-star review. It helps us really get the word out. Uh, about the podcast. And if you are interested in getting a line of credit, please visit fscreditline.com. Again, that's fscreditline.com. And don't forget about our, our um, sponsor today, which is Technology Management Group, TMJ, uh, for cybersecurity. You can reach them at cybercrl.net. And Ryan, if anyone gets in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Go to two places. You can go to alpha for business, alpha the number four business.com. My email is Ryan at alpha for business.com. And you work on an hourly basis for people who have any type of financial um, questions, correct? Both business owners and individuals, you know, families. And really what what this whole thing is about, the business owner's guide to money, is about the intersection of your business finances and your personal finances because they go together. And so there, there are ways to, to coordinate the two. And uh, I'll tell you, no question. I, I get that all the time. Well, I have a dumb question for you. You know what? I bet you don't. <laughs> uh, no question is dumb. So uh, by all means, feel free to get a hold of me. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that whole note. And the idea in my mind is, 
the objective of the business is to build one's net worth. And if you're not doing that, then you have a job. Huh. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I think that's where I, I think someone like Ryan could help somebody because he has both a financial background and the business background. And if you look at that and say is how do I increase my net worth? Because that really is going to give you options. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's something that I've been lucky enough to be able to do enough. You know, I always wish I made more. I know it's funny. My business partner and I say, if we had to do it all over again, he had a very, very successful business before he met me and he sold it for a high multiple 11. And uh, yeah. And he said, we both said we would have went for something bigger. Oh, so yeah. So interesting. Hmm. Yep. Anyway, well, great conversation today, Ryan. Thanks for coming on board and thanks, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody take care of yourself. Uh, it's summertime. Get out there. Enjoy the smelling roses a little bit. <laughs>